Hello, folks. This is a special edition of the Craft Sanity Podcast that we can file under that time I got fired. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, this is a bit of a departure of what I normally do, but Craft Sanity is all about maintaining your sanity through making things. And today I'm making a podcast to just help keep myself going. (laughs) And actually, there's a whole handmade project behind this that I've been kind of alluding to, this quilt I've been making. People have been seeing bits and pieces of it on Instagram. So anyway, I made a recording a couple weeks ago that I was going to have be part of the after show or be the after show. And then I just was like, no, I really don't want to share this right now. And so I just kind of like saved it for a couple weeks. So I'm going to play that. And then I'm going to come back and tell you what happened next. So this is not going to be an interview with a crafter. So if you are really only looking for craft sanity interviews with other crafters, that could be offended if you stop listening now. But just want to warn you that this is none of that. This is kind of a a Jennifer episode. You can decide whether or not you want to hang <laughs> around for this one. And again, I will not be offended if you're like, yeah, I think I'll come back next week when there's a guest because there will be a guest next week. <laughs> so anyway, here's that clip that I recorded a couple of weeks ago. As many of you know, I have been a columnist for the Grand Rapids Press since oh, 2007. So every Sunday I've been publishing stories about artists and crafters in the community here in West Michigan. I left the paper staff in 2009 and that's when I started making weaving looms and kind of, and then in 2010 I launched the magazine and then I got recruited to teach at the community college to teach journalism. And so I've been doing a lot of things and, and things have kind of, you know, I've, I've fallen off my podcast schedule and fallen off the magazine schedule and then got back on the podcast schedule and trying to get back on the magazine schedule. And, but the constant all along was the fact that I was a journalist and I was writing for a newspaper. And I've been writing for newspapers since I was 14 years old. I uh, didn't get paid until I turned 17. I got my first internship at the Macomb Daily in Mount Clemens, Michigan. And I worked there for a couple of years. And then I worked at Newsday on Long Island as a summer intern, went to Central Michigan University during this time and worked at the school paper there. And then uh, the summer after being in, at Newsday, I was at the Detroit News. And then then, I, you know, the summer after that, I was a graduate of Central Michigan University, and I went right to work at the Grand Rapids Press in 1998. It was in May. I graduated on a Saturday, started my job on a Monday, and never really thought that I would not write for a newspaper. Yeah, I, I never imagined that I would not be doing that. Like, even when I left the paper, I, I left with a column that was going to continue. So I got a, an email a couple weeks ago, um, maybe less than that. And it was from an editor who said that she wanted to talk to me about my column. And you know, that's not good news, especially in the climate that we're in, where, you know, every year there are more cuts. You know, things are really being kind of cut to the bone now in my industry. And it's hard to watch because, you know, at the time I got into this, the internet was not It wasn't like this big threat and papers weren't freaking out. And now there's been instability for for many years. That was part of the reason why I stepped away from daily journalism is, you know, I wanted to be more accessible to my children. I wanted to raise them myself. But I also realized that I needed to kind of develop something else on my own. And that's what really led to the development of Craft Sanity because, um, you know, I knew that there was going to come a day when I would not have 
my newspaper gig anymore. I, I just knew that the axe was going to fall at some point, and uh, and it did. You know, I've, I've had some time to kind of come to terms with this, and I didn't do my column for the money. Um, it definitely wasn't for the money. Uh, I just got my tax return for last year, and uh, it, it's not for the money, folks. But um, I did it because I loved it, and I really, really loved it. And what I think I loved the most about it was that I got to go and sit at people's, you know, dining room tables or uh, today I just did an interview in a coffee shop. It was one of my last uh, interviews for the column. And to get to talk to people about the things that make them so happy and then to go back to my desk and um, write about that. And sometimes it's like a struggle to just do people justice because you're, you know, I'm doing so many other things because I'm freelance and I, I can't just be like, oh, I can just take my time doing this because it's always been like this hustle to hurry up, crank something out, go on to the next thing because I'm not making very much money doing this. But through it all, I mean, I really took a weekend off. I, I mean, I loved it. I wrote from my camper. I wrote from, you know, hotel rooms when we went out to the Grand Canyon. I was writing columns. I never would have quit this gig if they wouldn't have cut me off. And I'm not saying that I, I have no spite in my heart, not at all. I am very grateful for the six years that I've had doing the column. And um, I'm, I've I'll be writing my, I think, second to last column tomorrow, and then I have one more, and I have to figure out what I'm going to say in that last column besides thank you, because, um, you know, I don't know what else really, it's it's hard to even put into words how awesome this experience has been, because, I mean, there are a couple occasions where people were facing very critical health situations where, you know, they would, you know, I, I realized that, you know, they were having some health challenges and I thought, oh, well, when you're feeling better, you know, we can do this interview and people be like, no, you know, my surgery's in a couple of days. Come now. I really want to talk to you and tell you my story. And that's rather humbling as a, as a writer to have people think that talking to me, you know, the, telling me their story was so important that they would want to make time for that, you know, when they're going through kind of a critical, um, you know, life situation you know, just incredibly humbling. And there were times when I, I think I, I did well writing my column. And there are times when, you know, I, I would be like, man, I, re- I really could do better than that. And so I didn't, I didn't hit them all out of the park, not by any means, but you know, I had a great time trying to, <laughs> I mean, that, that was, that was fun. You know, the best part was, you know, being at Joanne's or, you know, at the, the artisan's market on Sundays in Grand Rapids and have um, see the article hung up on people's booths. You know, people I'd written about. Yeah, and I, I guess I, I thought I'd be able to get through this, but maybe not. Um, <laughs> it's um, still a pretty emotional thing. But yeah, I mean, it was really cool to be down at the market and, you know, you walk past the booth and it might be someone that you wrote about two years ago and they have the article laminated hanging from their booth and you're just thinking, man, that's pretty cool, you know, that people would, you know, hang on to it and uh, that it meant that much to them. So, um, and these people have no idea how much this experience has meant to me. It's been fantastic. And I mean, when I started in journalism, I was a breaking news reporter. So I was often on the front page because I was writing about, you know, the bad news and, you know, the accidents and court cases and things like that that get a lot of attention. And 
then I was in the home section when the paper had a home section. And then when they cut the home section, you know, as a little insert, it was like this um, kind of tabloid size insert. And um, my column was in there and it was kind of a, you know, kind of a nice location for uh, for an art and craft column. And then uh, then it got to a point where the real estate ads were on top of it. The column was buried way deep in the paper and now it's usually under the real estate ads. So a lot of times people think it's an advertising section and it's really kind of hard to find the column. And so I kind of went from, you know, early in my career being front page to being deep inside the paper, writing an art and craft column. And a lot of people might have thought that that was like a real downshift for me, but I don't look at it that way at all. When I look back at my journalism career, I'm going to really hold that column experience up as one of my favorite things that I got to do as a journalist because I got to write about regular people who are making stuff. I mean, people who are, some people are doing this for a business and some people are doing this for just the pure joy that it brings them. And, and that's it. You know, it's, they're not trying to turn a profit or anything. They just love it. And to get to write about, you know, people who are doing something that makes them happy, you know, that was a real, a real honor and, and pleasure for me to get to do that. So that is ending now. And I don't really know how I'm going to write the last column or if the paper will even publish it. I've been told that I can submit one last column, kind of a, you know, a signing off column, but it might not get through the filter. So I'm thinking that it might not get published. <laughs> I've already prepared something that I can write on my own website. But so I guess what I am announcing this on this, on my podcast, because Craft Sanity is now going to become the thing where I put all my energy and passion into because I don't have a choice. I mean, at this point, and, and, and I think in a way, the end of my newspaper column is going to force me to do something for myself. You know, I've been, I work really hard for other people. I work harder for other people than I work for myself. I put every other project first. And now, because the only way for me to keep telling these stories and that's for other people, I'm going to be forced to make my own project more robust. So the fact that I'm being cut loose from the newspaper column uh, in this latest round of cuts, it's, it's basically taking this other thing off my plate and I will have more time and energy to put into Craft Sanity, something that's kind of been a side project. Even when I quit to pay more attention to Craft Sanity, I kind of panicked and thought, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to keep you know, keep writing and publishing every week as a journalist. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But I also felt it was a security blanket as well. So um, now the security blanket is gone. Part of my identity is going away. I no longer will identify myself as a newspaper columnist because I, I will no longer be one. And, um, you know, and I, I'm not saying that I'll never be one again. I'd like to think that I still have <laughs> some columns in me. I just don't know that my readers are going to follow me to craft sanity or if that's the right venue. So, um, I am, uh, kind of figuring out like, how do I, how do I reach my audience? Because the, the way I've been trying to reach them for all this time is going away. And some of my readers are older and they're not on the internet. So those folks are going to have a hard time finding me online and I'm going to miss them. I'm going to miss that dialogue so much. Um, I get a lot of handwritten cards and letters and, and that's always fun. So, so yeah, if you know people who have been reading the column, if you want to let them know what's going on and that uh, I'm not going anywhere, if they have an idea of what they'd like to see me do next, I want to find a way to kind of meet my audience where they are and, uh, 
Yeah, and just wind down gracefully. I have no ill will toward the people that have made this decision. I think they're in a tough spot. I'm not going to say that I think it's a great idea. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, it, it's nice to have something local and something something special in a publication besides the bad news. And I think uh, it's unfortunate that that can't continue. But uh, even if they asked me back at this point, I would say no. I, this is the second time I've been cut. And the last time I was cut, it was kind of a miscommunication where they were terminating one contract before giving me the new contract. But no one called to tell me what was going on. So I thought for several weeks that I was winding down. And I can tell you that when you when you write under these conditions, you feel terrible. Like usually writing is something I enjoy doing. You know, when you write knowing that, you know, an opportunity is not going to be there anymore. It's kind of like you're in a kind of in a grieving process and it's hard to write under those conditions. So I I don't want to put myself through this a third time. So and I, you know, I'm not trying to, to get people to try to help me get this back because it's it's gone and it's and it like I said I think it's for the best because um, I think I am ready to to really just recommit to uh, the dream I had in 2009 when I left the paper when I left the staff to turn craft sanity into something that I wanted to be a, a, a place where I'm publishing on a regular basis I also want to write books desperately I wanted that since childhood and um I think it's going to be fun because I have some ideas. And I think that um, in the end, we're all going to be okay. I will be fine. I just have to kind of, you know, get, get used to being a journalist without a, you know, an official corporate entity that I write for. Um, as strange as that sounds, um, sometimes indep- total independence is completely scary. And I know a lot of you have been there who have lost jobs and so forth. Yeah, so we'll see. I have not told my journalism class yet. So that's going to be interesting when I announce this because um, I just want to be able to tell them this without breaking down because, you know, that's not real cool when the teacher cries in class. <laughs> so anyway, well, if any of you you know have been readers of my column, I really appreciate the support and, and I'm going to miss it. And I just I just thank you all for for reading and for sending in your story ideas and sharing your stories because I could not have done this without people who wanted to read it. So I really do appreciate that. And I wish I could be more articulate about this at this point, but it's, um, yeah, it's still kind of a new thing. I haven't gotten used to this yet, but I'll leave you with this. I'm still a journalist. I am still going to write stories about people who are making things. And I just need to work out the financial part of that. How do I sustain that going forward on my website? So I'll be looking for some sponsorships and uh, in the hope that I can keep writing about people on a weekly basis and have readers know that they can come over to the site and see my my articles and then hopefully get some uh, handmade businesses who would be willing to support that. So I'll work on that piece. It's a, it's a new challenge that I'm facing, but I think this is really a good thing because I did need a push to kind of reframe my thinking and remember why it was that I left the paper in 2009 in the first place. It's going to work out. And thanks again to all of you. I really cannot even sum this up, but just thank you. It was an absolute pleasure to get to write that column for as long as I did. And for those of you who listen to this after show, (laughs) God bless you (laughs) because it is a long and rambling one. And uh, 
But it's nice to know that I've been heard by somebody out there. So thank you. Have a great day. And if you have ideas for me as I kind of reinvent myself, send them to Jennifer at CraftSanity.com. Okay. So I am now fast forwarding a couple weeks. I am recording this section of the podcast the night before I think my column is running in the Grand Rapids Press and on umlive.com. I have a pretty good feeling that it is running, but um, yeah, it's it's just been kind of strange. So anyway, I did go ahead and write a column, and but before I made it, wrote a column, like I couldn't write my last column. It was very strange. Finally, was like I, I was like, okay, I just got to write this, and and I was fine. You know, I, I got it out there. I think I did a a decent job given the circumstances. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm ending this on, on a pretty good note. I'm also making a YouTube video and you guys are going to be like, oh my gosh, she's losing her mind. <laughs> um, I'm actually doing okay, folks. And I, I'm making a YouTube video because I made this quilt and there'll be a slideshow of the progress of that quilt. And I'll talk about improvisational quilting and kind of how it helped me through a difficult transition and, you know, this, the name Craft Sanity was not just some cutesy title that I made up. My husband actually is the one who, who is the first one who, who said, Hey, how about Craft Sanity? Cause I was telling him like, I was trying to do a show about how art and craft, it helps people. It saves people. It just helps people cope. It, it helps them, you know, make other people feel good. It helps them express themselves. It's such a wonderful thing to be able to have a superpower. And that superpower for me is to be able to make things and to be able to write things and to be able to make a podcast and to be able to do all this stuff helps me connect to the world around me. And it is my saving grace. And I think I'm so thankful that I can do these things. So I'm going to have a, a YouTube video that you can, um, you'll be able to find at craftsanity.com that will have the slideshow showing the quilt that I made and uh, you'll also be able to, I'll be talking about the book that helped inspire that because it just so happened that I interviewed Sherry Lynn Wood before I started making my quilt and I knew I was going to make a quilt and I first I was going to find a letterpress and buy giant wood type and I was going to print out like typeset like onto fabric my last like final message to readers now that does sound crazy <laughs> admit that idea is insane, especially since I, A, don't own a letterpress, really don't know anybody with a bunch of giant type that would show up, you know, from across the room on a, on a quilt. Uh, so I was like, okay, on to plan B. And what plan B turned out to be is me opening the improv handbook for modern quilters, a guide to qu quilting and living courageously. And I thought, yep, I need to I need to kind of just scrap the letterpress plan, especially since I don't have a letterpress and <laughs> just um, work with what I have. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm kind of coming out the other side of this tunnel because when you kind of lose a part of your identity, you've identified as a newspaper reporter for, you know, your whole adult life. I mean, since I was 14 and I'm 38 now, so more than half my life I've been doing this and it's just so strange to you know, have people say, yeah, well, you know, your services are no longer needed here. <laughs> it's like, what? Are you kidding me? Because um, by the time you're like 38, you feel like you finally have figured out what to do and you can handle most situations without having to consult five editors for guidance. I mean, you can handle it. So um, it's very strange what's happening in the world today. So if you see a journalist in your community, 
you know, they wouldn't be too freaked out by it. You should hug them (laughs) and give them a high five and tell them, you know, that you appreciate what they do because it is a tough business to be in right now. Yeah. So my last column that will be printed in the paper is, um, I, at least I hope it will be printed. I I think what I'm going to do just in case it's not printed, (laughs) I'm going to read it to you now. And I have to tell you, I'm more of an ad libber on these podcasts. And when I speak in front of groups, when I teach my class, I never read scripted things. And part of it is because I'm not the greatest reader. So I'm going to go ahead and try to read this to you without sounding too mechanical yeah, we'll see how that goes. So um, I put a headline on this that said, Crap Columnist Reflects, Thanks for Readers Before Signing Off. I have no idea if that's what it's going to say when it runs or not, but here we go. Like many things in life, I didn't plan to write this column. I always hoped for this opportunity, but I never counted on it because it seemed a bit far-fetched to get a newspaper gig focused exclusively on art and craft. Then in October 2007, I won the journals and lottery and started meeting you folks here every Sunday with a handmade story to share. And wow, what a kick it's been. After spending the early part of my career focused almost exclusively on bad news, it did my soul a world of good to sit at kitchen tables around West Michigan and chat about what makes so many of us exceedingly happy, making stuff by hand. Through the years, I've been repeatedly humbled by the kindness people have shown me as a guest in their homes, wood shops, and basement studios. Some spent hours tidying up before my arrival, making me wish I carried photos of my cluttered abode to put my interview subjects at ease. And every place I went, I could tell that sharing meant a lot to the sources who kindly indulged me with the often life-changing stories behind their hobbies and handmade businesses. Some started crafting to battle depression or as a distraction after a serious injury or job loss. Some started creating after retiring from the workforce, and some did it just for fun. No matter the circumstances, every single interview inspired me. The column I pitched my editors had an art and craft focus, but it didn't take long before I realized that the conversations I was having with my sources about knitting, weaving, spinning, woodworking, and sewing were about so much more than that. The ability to create something out of a pile of yarn or fabric or wood was helping people find meaning in their lives, show love and appreciation to others, and serving as a coping strategy during times when life rocks the boat. One woman stitched skirts out of her husband's dress shirts to work her way through her grief after losing him to cancer. When she ran out of his shirt, she went on to gather more from thrift shops so she could keep sewing in his memory. Meanwhile, in Allendale, an 82-year-old man was crocheting blankets for charity. He unfurled blanket number 421 during my 2012 visit, and I knew immediately that I was in the presence of craft greatness. I got to write about knitters and leather workers who fell in love and so many friendships and communities it formed around art and craft. Handmade culture connects so many of us, and I have really enjoyed documenting it. I used to get a little miffed when the non-creative set would discount the merit of my column, but I stopped that after I got a call from Sally Hardig of Grayling, whose 80-year-old husband, Ed, I had interviewed by phone months earlier in June 2013. That summer, I had bought a couple of Ed's humorous wood carvings at an antique shop on the way back from a camping trip with my family, and the shopkeeper shared that Ed was able to carve these detailed pieces despite nerve damage and arthritis in his dominant hand. My next stop was the retirement community where he lived. After a group of seniors on motorized scooters sent me on a bit of a wild goose chase, I realized that I had missed my chance to meet Ed and headed home. Sally got the message I left and called me that evening. She filled me in on all the details, starting with the day she met Ed on December 3rd, 1953. She was a nurse's aide, and Ed had been in a terrible accident. Ed recovered, and they eventually married. Uh, You can read the story. I'll put a link on craftsanity.com. 
is where you can read the whole column that I did about them. When Sally passed the phone to Ed, we chatted about wood carving and the recipe for a long and happy marriage. Before we hung up, I told Ed I'd try to swing back through town for a carving lesson the following summer. Sally surprised me when she called my cell phone in November 2013. I was about to start teaching my journalism class at Grand Rapids Community College when Sally delivered the news. Ed died, and I thought you'd want to know. I was stunned that he was gone and humbled that I was on the call list. I wasn't family. I was just an art and craft writer from Grand Rapids who talked to them a couple times on the phone. When I hung up with Sally, I scrapped my lesson plan for the day and talked to my students about how we need to treat every story like it's the most important one we'll ever write because we don't often realize how big of a deal it is to the people we're writing about. Likewise, I have to tell you that writing this column has been a big deal to me, the highlight of my newspaper career, in fact. It's been a privilege to get to meet you here every week. Your stories have made me laugh and cry and you've inspired me to find my own voice as an artist and crafter. This is my last column for MLive, and I knew that when the time came, I would not be able to adequately sum up my gratitude. So I made a visual aid on deadline. Translation. It's been a few days since I've last brushed my hair. I made an improv quilt to show my appreciation for you folks. It's called 30, and I named it after the way old-time reporters used to signify the end of their stories, so the copy desk knew that the text was all there. If you want to read the story about the making of this quilt and learn more about the book that helped inspire it, I invite you to head over to craftsanity.com, where I will continue to write and podcast local and international handmade stories. I'm relaunching my magazine, shopping for a letterpress and type, seriously, and researching a couple book ideas, too. So exciting things are ahead. Thank you for being such a kind audience for this column and making me feel like a minor celebrity at Joann's and the Fulton Street Artisans Market, which opens June 14th, by the way. It's been an absolute blast. Let's keep in touch. Keep creating and sending me your story ideas at jennifer at craftsanity.com or write P.O. Box 888-192, Grand Rapids, Michigan, 49588. You can also find more of my writing videos and podcasts at craftsanity.com. Follow at craftsanity on Instagram and Twitter. All right. And that's how I signed off. So, you know, I think I'm going to be just fine. And I wrote that column standing up in my kitchen. I started at midnight. I went to bed about four o'clock that morning. It was hard to write that late at night. I've done it before though, but I stood up so I wouldn't fall asleep, which actually worked. It was a great strategy. And then um, I hired one of my students to take a picture of me with the quilt the next day so I can make the deadline. And hopefully I figured if I could get a student published, that would be great. So I'm crossing my fingers that he'll get his first published photo the day that I published my last column in the paper. So it'll be a bittersweet event. But I will be very proud if my student gets his photo published. If you go to craftsanity.com, you'll see what my plan is for the immediate future. And I plan to just kind of use the time I was spending reporting and interviewing for my column to allocate that time to Craft Sanity. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be fun. So the next chapter begins. And I guess the reason I'm sharing all of this is because I really think it's important that I be authentic with you folks. This isn't fun, and it's, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing to be told, yep, you're, thank you, but we don't really need you anymore. I mean, it's not a, it's not a fun thing. I'm not really, like, this is not a high point in my life, but I think it's really important that, for me, 
I made a quilt to kind of process everything. And people might be like, man, she's being so dramatic. This wasn't even like a full-time job. Um, and it wasn't, but it was my full-time identity. Um, being a newspaper reporter was a big part of who I am. I just want to share this story because if any of you are going through maybe an unpleasant time in your life and you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed, um, I would encourage you to try to channel any kind of anxiety or angst that you have. Dive into a project. I did that and I went through kind of um, a point where I wasn't sure I could finish the project and I will explain more of that in the YouTube video that I'm going to do. Sometimes you have to force yourself to keep moving forward and I find that that's my strategy in life and it seems to work well for me. It's not going to work for everybody, but we're all different. Yeah, I think that, you know, don't be afraid to make your own way through life. You know, just keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep giving me story ideas and I'm going to keep trying to do my thing over here. And um, maybe I'll write essays to read. I don't know. Let me know how this went. I mean, if you thought this was like totally over the top and melodramatic, just share your thoughts. I'm not planning to make this a habit, like um, Deep Thoughts with Jennifer, you know, an hour and a half of me just talking about struggles in my life. Because <laughs> honestly, I've had n not much at all to complain about. I'm, I've, you know, this was a very positive experience that I had as a reporter and I'm thankful for it. And I'm very determined to find my way in this new media world because I teach people. I'm teaching people now to be journalists. It's, so it's imperative that I sort this out for myself so I can be a good mentor and advisor to the young people that are coming up after me. So I'm looking to try to create something that could sustain the next generation of journalists. So yeah, I'm going to need your help with that. So any input you have, feel free to share. And uh, thanks to all of you who keep coming back to listen to me talk in this microphone. I do appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really glad that I started this podcast because I had no idea that, you know, where this whole thing was going to take me, but it's really turned out to be a saving grace. So, because I don't plan on firing myself, so I think I'm, it's pretty secure here. Um, <laughs> so, all right, folks, craft sanity, my friends. It works for me.